This podcast is intended for listeners that are 18 years or older. Explicit language, sensitive content, and views that are objectionable to some listeners may be present in the podcast. As such, listener discretion is strongly advised. Please read our podcast terms and conditions before listening to Up the Rabbit Hole. Welcome back to Up the Rabbit Hole with a Sex Therapist. And today we are going to be talking about sexual problems with females and or I guess individuals with vaginas, just to include the intersex population here. And I think that's going to happen more and more. I guess we need to get our jokes. I got to get my jokes right. That's right. Please. Okay. I'll start with my, I'll start with my nice story again. I think this is Sarah. Sarah, I'm not sure who the last one we talked about, if it was Sarah or not, but it's Sarah again. So Sarah's going, goes to school and, and the teacher says, today we're going to learn multi-syllable words. Does anyone have an example of a multi-syllable word? Sarah raises her hand and, and waves and says, me, Mrs. Rogers, me, me, me. Mrs. Rogers says, all right, Sarah, what is your multi-syllable word? Sarah says, masturbate. Miss Rogers smiles and says, wow, Sarah, that's a mouthful. Sarah says, no, Miss Rogers, you're thinking of a blowjob. <laughs> oh, poor little Sarah. So the beautiful thing is we have Carla in with us again today, and I have used peer pressure and have convinced her that <laughs> she should she should read a question or two for us. See, this is just like throwing her under Sounds the Sounds awesome. And I want it with joyful enthusiasm. He's crushing you way more than I am. Joyful enthusiasm. Okay. I am a woman in my early 20s and have just recently discovered that I am not into sex at all. It just isn't something that is fun for me. Is this normal? What can be some reasons a woman is not too interested in sexual activity? Oh, that was good. So... I mean, it's similar to men. I mean, there's a lot of similarity between kind of the lack of interest in sex at all, because then we move into the different different dynamics. So I'd say female sexuality is more complex. And I think a really good book to kind of help that would be, you know, your favorite book? Come As You Are by Amelia Nagoski. So for me, again, the the complexity, and I'm going to go, I got a list of 14 that I quickly drafted down from this concept of possible reasons. So again, need a bit more information to start, but I'm going to say is, you know, I want to know what it's like by yourself. Is it a difference with toys versus in a relationship? And, you know, when you say sex, again, I really want to help define what is sex because it's, is this, she's not interested in sex with masturbation. She's not interested with a partner. Is it different between partners? That's the first one I want to check just so that we're, we're looking at that because and now I go into my common reasons. Here are the common reasons. The relationship. If the relationships ain't going okay, you might not be interested in sex. And if you don't have any other experience and let's say you're not masturbating, you don't have anything to compare it to. So it's just relationship oriented sex. And since that's not going okay, why would you want to have sex with someone who you're not having a good relationship with, be it either openness or communication or conflict or anything in that, that style. 
second one would be, I would want you to look at your early, early experiences. Is this a learned skill? And so the early experiences are commonly will set the stage for what's going on later in your life regarding sexuality, your understanding, what your parents taught you. Religious background. Yeah, that one's my that one's later down on the list. Cause yeah, well, I beg your pardon. I've got my own list. So I'm just yeah. I'm waiting to interject. Okay, you great. So yeah, you can fill in my my gap. Could be technique. So I mean, when they're looking at sex, you know, sometimes bad technique can just cause a really bad experience. And so a lot of times when people are just starting out with sex, technique is not so good and they haven't learned a skill because it's a very important skill that, that requires practice to learn how to do reasonably well. Technique sucks. Don't expect you to enjoy it. Kind of like cooking. <laughs> it could be biology. Some individuals have like, you know, just their biology is not working so well or it's working differently. It could be lack of pleasure response. It could be, again, hypersensitivity. Those are those things I want to look at. That asexuality dynamic could be another component. Again, I want to compare that between what the relationship or the love response might be too. It could be intensity. You know, you're not interested because the intensity was not strong. If you have some nerve or, you know, low nerve functioning or damage, some individuals need a higher intensity of stimulation on their body or parts to kind of fire things up. I'd also, we didn't even check if she knows what, what an orgasm feels like or how our body experiences pleasure. So those are those things you want to poke around with and, and, and get a good understanding of. Location. Some individuals are very location conscious. If it's always in the same place or if they're self-conscious, then mm, that's how they learn sex. So, and or location of the body part too, you know, what does that look like? Certain body parts may respond better than others. And so we're kind of exploring that time of menstrual cycle is all another impact during ovulation lots of women have an increase in sex drive and during menstruation they don't i don't know what her frequency is running and if it's just aligning with that versus not mindset again and some of that can be impacted by the other stuff is you know what's your mindset going into it oh I, i'm not interested in this because it's bad and i you know don't want to look then you're gonna you're setting the stage already Dirty's yeah. a word that comes up a lot in my office dirty dirty yeah. bad yeah and I think that dirty response comes from, you know, one of my other ones, which is trauma. A lot of people come, that word is either from they've been taught or the history of trauma and they feel that it's dirty. And playfully, some like the term dirty. When it's dirty, it's good versus oh, when it's yeah. dirty and it's bad. And so it's, you know, kind of possibly the same dirtiness, but it's just perceived and re reintegrated into their kind of dynamics differently. Well, we have history, which we kind of talk, you know, a religious impact. Or, and or spirituality, some individual or some spirituality groups and or religions kind of are anti-sexuality or induce guilt in terms of those systems. I think Carla, Carla might be an expert into some of this area because she's got a lot of experience in some of that background. And any comment you want to make about that while, while I'm going down sure. my list? Yeah, thank you. I agree 100%. I think that a lot of women are uncomfortable with their own sexuality because they feel like pleasure isn't something for them. And that's actually something that they're taught. They are vessels to be used for the pleasure of their husbands and to bear children. Yeah. I mean, playfully, and I guess I have some clients who are quite happy to be the vessels sure. and they're, but then we get into the consensual dynamic, how they reframed a concept to be their almost that consensual purpose and they've embraced it and it can be done in a healthy way 
versus the I'm being used now I'm just a, a hump toy for for my husband to be you know whenever he wants it and it's not consensual so sometimes the same history or the same mindset can lead to totally different kind of behaviors just by how it's reframed or conceptualized trauma we talked about trauma as well you know that history of trauma can impact that too medications are all probably one of the bigger kind of impactors on sexual desire drive overall health and again we talked with the guy the men's stuff about you know ms and you know diabetes and some of the medications go with that and a lot of the health issues can also be related to that now in her 20s it means she might not have some of that but some biological or health related issues are naturally that's the side effect and so looking at that and, and the last one that i put down would be arousal templates what are your arousal templates that you learned like and if you don't have any you're running from a blank script you're kind of you're running purely from a biological functioning level and it might not be where again the biggest sexual organ is your brain, brain. yes yeah so ultimately we're watching for patterns and history and seeing what that looks like to help her answer her question of what can be some of those reasons. And I like the question because she was nice to say, what are some of the reasons? It's nice when we get good questions like that. 100%. But I also think I had a couple written down on here that, and maybe they apply in different ways, but I've worked with a lot of women who don't even really know what they like. So I will ask them like, do you know how you like to be touched? Do you know how you like to be licked or kissed or whatever? And they're like, not really. It's very responsive, I find. So a lot of the women will respond to their partner's initiative dynamics and they want to follow, except they expect the partner to know and read and, and mind read what works well when they haven't even explored and understood themselves. So it's kind of a, a journey without communication lots of times. So we're trying to open up that communication. It really is. And it's really just knowing yourself and what you like or how you like to be touched or where or how hard or how soft or up, down, left, right, whatever it is. But it's really getting to know your own sexuality and what you enjoy and then just embracing it as a female. Because with that goes to my next point, we are taught, whether it be passively or assertively, that we don't really, you accept what is. And that's going to be good enough. And Corey, you even have in your office a, a passage from, I believe it's the 1890s. And it is teaching <laughs> women. It was a whole article written by the church. Yes. And what does it say in there? If your, trust, if your husband tries to kiss you, give him your cheek. If your husband tries to have sex too, you definitely turn that down. But that's what women have been taught. Reluctantly. And if you are unpleasant enough during the experience, if you're lucky, he will stop you know, yeah. doing this and wanting this going forward. And it was very, initially, I remember reading that probably 20 or 30 years ago, because I think, yeah, 18, 1898 or something like that. And I remember reading out loud, laughing about the absurdity of it. And then I read it again. I'm like, okay, this all of a sudden didn't get so funny. This is almost kind of shockingly serious because this was, I was thinking it from a different lens at first, like, wow, this is, this is brutal. Like, oh no, this is actually like a doctrine that was taught to a lot of the women on how they should, what is it? Give, give rarely and give reluctantly. Yes. Kind of the message. So then sex now becomes duty sex instead of a pleasure filled connection that you're having with a partner. And so I think women really need to understand that they're allowed to embrace their sexuality. They're allowed to ask for what they want. They're allowed to communicate with their partners and not teach them, but communicate with, I like this. Can you touch me here? Can you do this? Or That's explore really part of that whole, yeah, we do a lot of sensate focus work and having people body map and exploring what they might like if they don't know it. You got to go and 
check the buffet out and and do different things to know what you like. It just doesn't naturally kind of happen. A hundred percent, which leads me to my last point, which is empowerment. I've had a lot of women who think that sex, just as Carla says, this is what they're supposed to do. So then I always pose the question to them, then why do women have a clitoris? Because really that is one of the big pleasure centers of a woman's body. So if, if we weren't supposed to enjoy it, then we wouldn't have the organs or the parts to be able to enjoy it. And it's really the reteaching of it's okay to enjoy it. And so go and explore and do these things, not just with yourself, but with your partner and what feels right for you. And I laugh because I think women's bodies are much better for sexuality overall. You guys get, I mean, it's so much harder for a male to be multiply orgasmic. And so, and even with the clitoris, although it's, you know, externally, and it's not really, you know, penis and vagina sex really doesn't work too well. Like maybe 20% of the cases lead to that orgasmic response. Yes. Um, the, the clitoris has almost like three or four times the amount of nerve endings on a penis. And it's like compared to whole. So it's like, it's just much more. Yeah, you get more bang for that dynamic, no pun intended, that one. So Well, you do, and women don't realize. They think that either they're a failure or sex isn't good because they're not having an orgasm with just penis and vagina sex. And they're wondering, like, why isn't this working or why can't I orgasm? Typically think- speaking, the large part of women need to have that clitoral stimulation to orgasm. Yeah. And I think even when we're looking at some of the stats, like I think the other stats I was reading is like maybe 20% of women know when they're actually aroused because you don't have that Audi. And so when you're playing with that, yeah, all the innuendo, then a penis gets in your way. You notice when it's starting to do that. So you know when you're aroused, when you're lubricated or dilated and it's body temperature, you, we might not have a clue and you got to check. It's the only way. And then we can't expect men to know if we don't know when we're aroused, we can't expect men to know when we're aroused either. I'm glad you said that one. (laughs) But it's true. It's conversations that I've either had with clients or personally or with friends or what have you. And you get into these conversations and you're seeing it from a different perspective. So I think it's super simple to know when I'm aroused. Like, how can you not know? Well, (laughs) we don't know. A headlight showing. That's another one. (laughs) Right. But it's good to to be called. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I guess I can get off my soapbox now about empowerment of women. (laughs) <laughs> that's good because playfully i mean you and i think a lot of women when i when they're coming in for me for arousal dynamics you can be empowered to be submissive in that role as well and a lot of people like they like no i have to be dominant and i was like no you don't you just you can be empowered you can look in so many ways you want to be you know very powerful women come in going i want to be consensually used when i give that power i'm giving that power to you because i can take it back whenever i want it it's yes. use me well and use me you know, to your pleasure, because that's what turns me on. That's my empowerment. And when I say stop, then we'll, we'll go from there. So that's, that's okay. They, she ran it very nicely. And some women go, how dare you do that as a woman? It's like, no, that that's her choice. That's her right. But it's knowing that she likes that. That's where the empowerment is. This is what I want. I'm going to speak it. And this is what I'm looking for. And that she can take it back at any time, you know, and, and be able to say no or stop or, whoa, slow down big boy or girl or whatever. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh God, that was a good question. <laughs> like Satisfied, that question. Yeah. So, so thank whoever sent that in. Thank you so much for that question. You want to read the second one, Carla? Oh, sure. Oh, good. I've been with the same guy for three years. We are both freshmen at the same college. We have sex occasionally, but he isn't very pleasurable. How do you tell him this without hurting his feelings? 
Well, I guess this comes back down to that informed communication and transparency in what your relationship is like. I, I want to take this as a learning opportunity. You know, you want to try new things and you can be out say, Hey, I'd like to try this and like that. And I want to know what this feels like and, and allowing you to lead back to that empowerment you were talking about to allow her to lead, to teach him what works for her rather than just let him do what he's doing. And maybe even let him watch you, you know, depending on how you want to play in that, that dynamic. Again, is this, is this penis and vagina only, you know, sex? And because it doesn't work well, I mean, it can be okay. And for some people, it works really well. Some people, it does not much. So it's knowing the technique and knowing the relationship, knowing the intimacy. When we look at what, you know, Peggy Kleinflatz wrote regarding, you know, magnificent sex, technique is not the end all be all. It's like, I think, past number 10 on the list. There's the intimacy, there's the connection, there's the teamwork, the joint venture of going into the exploration process with an open mind. There's like a whole bunch of other factors to really have good sex. And so partly I need to see what they're doing, so to speak, because I don't know what that means. You know, he's not pleasurable. Is she just laying back? They're going, why aren't you doing it the way I like it? But I'm not telling you anything. Is he ignorant? Is it her body not working? Hey, you're on all these antidepressants. You're not feeling anything. Like, is she masturbating? Again, all these wonderful questions that I would want to, do my rule out and when I'm doing my kind of history to kind of make sure that we're doing a good job and, and understanding what's going on. I'm just trying to think if there's anything I want to add to that. I think it's important. I mean, I know how women personalize. I don't think men personalize as much. However, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really opening up that dialogue of this is what I like. What do you like? Cause this is kind of what I'm thinking. Like, would you be willing to explore this with me? Or I found this hot piece of porn on wherever I found it. And I, you know, talk about the fantasy and, and just share Do the request. Yeah. Informed consent. Let's explore this. Let's up our game. Yeah. You can say, Hey, you know, our sex is okay, but I want great sex. I want magnificent sex. How do we get that? What does that look like? You know, he might not know what he's doing, but he, she's not communicating and he's just running what he thinks works or what he's expected to. Again, some of these could be cultural or behavioral. Like there's so many different things in here. Yeah. Absolutely. So lots of questions. I'd ask a lot of questions about around that anyways. Lots to look at. It's funny how our, you know, our job, we spend more time asking questions to get understand than telling a lot of times because we just need to really know what's going on. You do, because there's a lot of things to rule out. A lot of things to rule out. I got a question. Are you okay if I do question three? Yeah. Oh, good. You're, you can be on the spot for number four. <laughs> question three, I recently had a baby and getting back to normal sex routine has been really tough between me and my husband. Do you have any suggestions about how to get back to a normal sex life postpartum? I'm going to let you start off with that one since... Why? Because I've had children? That's right. I mean, I'm curious about your thoughts and I'll fill in your gaps, no pun intended. So <laughs> There's consent around that, Corey. You know what? Having a newborn, I think for the first three months, you don't even know your own name. Like getting a shower is kind of ecstasy because everything is revolved around this newborn. They're up all night long. Sometimes little babies don't know the difference between night and day. So getting back into a sex routine can be really, really difficult. There's a lot of books on how to be a mom, but sometimes those books don't necessarily tell you the realities of what you're going to be living. So I think it's just really having that open communication, trying to sneak it in if you can, if you have the energy and just being honest with your either significant other or your husband or your partner, just saying, you know, this is my life right now. A lot of women don't want their breasts being touched because you've got a little one 
latched on to that breast. It's really having that open communication about this is what's going to work. This is what is not going to work. And I may not be able to satisfy your needs or my needs for a little bit of a time because I'm now not a wife, I'm a mother. It's a whole mind shift. It really is. So getting back into normal sex routine, is it's difficult. I, I laughed. I saw a TikTok about one woman was talking about everyone in the house has been lashed onto her boob at one point or, you know, including her husband, (laughs) it's a different lens. And so how do you cross over baby on your boob versus husband on there or partner? A hundred percent. And then what if they're co-sleeping? So you have baby in bed with you. That's not a, you know, that's not going to go, Oh, this is a great time when baby's sleeping right beside you. Uh, It's a hard one. Women who have episiotomies have had lots of sexual issues after that due to the tear and the pain, nerves issues. Baby crying is probably the biggest, I think, the research, the biggest arousal drop that you can have as soon as a baby cries. No, done, not interested. It shuts everything down 100% because your partner is now not number one. Baby is number one. I can only describe it from a female point of view. It's personally, husband played second fiddle to baby. It really... And I think a lot of my guys have a problem with that because they're used to being, you know, one-on-one and once baby comes along or multiple babies come on, sometimes they get neglected or they're, they don't know their role anymore or how they fit into that whole circumstance or they haven't balanced out couple time because sometimes my, my moms will just go, well, nope, now that I got a baby, it's just baby. And so you still need to nurture the couple relationship as well as the parent child relationship. And I think there comes a point in time where women are feeling comfortable, where they will leave their child with, whether it be a grandparent or a very close friend, someone that they trust and have the date nights again. Just, you know, you don't even need to leave the house if you don't want to, but just time for you and your husband to connect. It doesn't even need to be on a sexual level, but just connect intimately to rebuild that whole dynamic because I've heard this many, many times before, typically from men, I traded in my wife for a mom, right? And so we really need to understand that, yes, baby is super, super important, but so is our other significant partner. And remember to make that time and effort to be there for them. It requires a commitment and effort to it. It just doesn't naturally happen. Yeah. The other part I think is really important too, is women go in thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be like the perfect wife and the perfect mom and the house is going to be clean and dinner's going to be on the table and baby's going to be great and everything's just going to flow. Maybe it's just me, but I didn't get that. (laughs) And and they lose themselves. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, you lose yourself as a woman and a sexual being because you are so focused on having the perfect everything and you're forgetting about your own self. Body issues are another one that a lot of women complain about once they either gain weight or stretch marks and those insecurities come out too. Yeah. So I always try to talk to my new moms about, you know, it took you nine months to put on the weight. I mean, you've got some of those amazingly biological super moms who are fitting into their skinny jeans when they leave the hospital, but the mass majority of us don't have that. So it's a grace period. And we really have to give ourselves some time to realize that, okay, well, it took time to put on the weight. I can take time to put off the weight and still be okay with me. And I think her question about, you know, how to get back to a normal sex life. I mean, I guess I don't know what her sex life looked like before. So I'll assume whatever her normal was. 
but the, the important part that I tend to recommend for clients is to make sure that you're scheduling that playtime with no requirements to get back into you know, the saddle, so to speak, in terms of the, the penetration. It's just, we're really starting to get that intimacy, the connection, the sensuality of the play uh, to start that in a committed fashion so that we can get momentum. I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of people think that actually making like a time and a day to have sex is, is boring. Well, that's just monotonous. And what, what if I want to have sex otherwise? Because when you're single, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Now that you've got baby involved, it looks a little bit different, but I think the actuality is if you start scheduling the time, there's something to look forward to. Hey, I get to like have a shower and dress up and feel good about myself because I'm planning this time with my significant other. When I'm doing that, I usually say that the playtime is there. I don't require sex because then now we're putting pressure that must happen. And then usually that's when my guys have an issue. Or if someone, you know, either side isn't interested in the sex component at that point, then it's again, right, what are we going to do? And we're still going to play, enjoy and, 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 and explore that process. And if you both consent, then we move to the sex. But I want them to commit to at least the intimacy and the playtime of the reconnection. I like it. Did you have it? You're not a mom yet. No. That would be my experience. It's it's a difficult transition time, but it does get easier. Yep. And make sure you take time for yourself because that's again, that's uh, that's reclaiming the self and, and doing some of that because otherwise you're going to give everything out and then you're not going to have motivation to do anything. Yes, we need to remember it's not selfish. It is self-care. And when we take care of ourselves, then everybody else gets the best version of ourselves, including us. I agree. Yeah. On to you, madam. Last question of the day. Here we go. I have not been able to orgasm during sex in a long time. And this is largely due to the fact that my boyfriend only wants to do penetrative sex. Why can't I get an orgasm during penetration? Because you're like most women. (laughs) (laughs) It's very common. Only about, you know, 80% of the women don't achieve orgasm. during. Only about 20% do as clitoral stimulation is almost a requirement for that 80% of the women to kind of have an orgasm. Vulvas and vaginas are not really made that way. Interestingly, biologically, I'm not sure why. I think that's one of the big curiosities questions. Like in a perfect world that should be able to have everything, you know, in the kitchen sink in that system. And we're like, hey, while that's penetration is occurring, great, ta-da. Now there are some G spot, there's the I think the A spot and the, there's one more. I got to go look in my books because I haven't, we haven't seen and talked too much about it, but there's three interesting spots that sometimes will have biological arousal components that increase the likelihood of having orgasm or response. And everyone's a little different. Like the G spot, some, all women will have a G spot. Not all of them will be active. There are some ways to get them active, but that you know, I think there was a saline in- injection in terms of that, just because it's where the nerve is located. The A spot, I think, is right back by the cervix. So if it gets poked, and for some women, it'll fire off arousal. For some women, it's painful. There's a few little spots out there that you can play with, but again. And, and then my other final question would be How is it by yourself? I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> is it purely only? partner can she have an orgasm or response by herself has something changed again all our other historical stuff of asking enough questions to make sure that the relationship dynamic not hey i don't masturbate but my 
penetrative sex no longer works. And why was it working before? It's like, cause you're on medications that now kill that possibility. And that could be just a simple answer or it could be a whole bunch of other stuff too. Well, I think women have to be okay with using toys or manual stimulation. Like there's no, there's nothing wrong Use with it, it or lose it. It's almost so important as women get older, especially as they hit into menopause. If you don't stretch those muscles and use it, it loses its, it loses its flexibility and its ability to be malleable. And that's kind of, that's kind of what happens. D- totally fair. I would totally suggest to women to just empower yourself. If you want to use a toy, use a toy. If you want to use manual, use manual, whatever works for you. Cause it, it really well, makes you're acceptable. Difference. You know, I say spiritual guidelines, some religions may say no or yes. And we, we understand those might be some limitations, but sometimes those limitations restrict you to get the optimal dynamic of your biology functioning. So just be aware of that. A hundred percent. But I also think you need to play around with positioning. Positioning can make a really big difference. Explore. Oh, I thought you were going to say explain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was tempted to, as I was staring at you kind of grinning. I'm like, can you explain that a little sure. more? Andy? So, can, you, can you tell me what that looks like? Sure. So from a female perspective and, and Carla, you know, chime in anytime if you think I'm wrong on this. The reality is some positions you can have a, like deeper penetration. Women are more in control of some positioning. So that gives them more of an arousal effect. Um, Which ones? Which ones? Tell hmm. me more. That's the, Hey, you know, that is a personal choice and it's different for every woman, but sometimes it's, it's how you want the penetration to feel, to look, is this a position where you're feeling self-conscious body wise, try something different. A lot of time positioning will make a big difference on feel. So takeaways. Takeaways. Be empowered women. Really. You're allowed to ask for what you want, when you want it, how you want it within, obviously within consent and safety and um, legalities. But I think women need to learn that it's okay to be sexual people and that they're allowed to want sex, enjoy sex and ask for what they're looking for. Which means you also have to go and explore and try different things and go down that path because you're not going to find out otherwise. You're right. And there's, there's amazing literature out there. There's books you can read. I mean, the internet is a plethora of interesting stuff and it doesn't have to be pornography. You can go on YouTube and Just actually make sure, make sure it's good information Yes, and at least stated by someone who knows their stuff rather than, you know, some social media stuff that may not have any foundation because someone thought they were an expert on it because they, they tried something once. Exactly. I would just really suggest to women to just really open up, communicate and be okay with being sexual beings and enjoying it. If you're about it. One of the good things about women's sexuality, the research that I was playing with is the advantage I think with women is women's sexuality is so much more malleable than male sexuality. And so it has a lot more flexibility and options than typically. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also more complex and it's more, uh, a lot more relational dynamics. I see it kind of has some pros and cons. And so it's just, playing with that and making sure you're understanding that history of those reasons that big long list of reasons I gave yeah. could be a whole bunch of stuff. And you need to explore all of those. If you really want to understand what your body's doing. hundred percent. Do you have a takeaway, Carla? Mm. Do I have a takeaway? Just for women, like know what makes you feel sexy and what turns you on. Because a lot of the time we do this because we want to seduce our partner and we kind of have to think about seducing ourselves. Good one. I like that. 
be aware of your environment because again, you know, the, the belief systems, you know, uh, baby crying environment, your body may not work the way you think it. So know it really well. Again, clitoral stimulation versus penetrative stimulation. They are not different orgasms technically, although they might feel differently because you're doing different parts, but it's still the same kind of, kind of machine. hundred percent. I like it. This was a good topic today. I liked it. So hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's playful up the rabbit hole. Keep sending in your questions or thoughts or topics or jokes. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, guys. See you next round. Bye-bye. Thank you.